You're listening to Cross Life, the college ministry of Grace Bible Church in Bozeman, Montana. Our current series is Imago Day, a study of how the character of God impacts your daily life. Praise the Lord for, for people who think about music and the words and the music, that it all has to be centered on God's word. One of the, the lyrics that we sang tonight kind of hit me. It was, um, you drove me gently to my knees, and then the next one was, holy surrendered. Holy surrendered. That's us singing about us, that we are holy surrendered to Christ. Is that true of me? As I was singing that, I was like, ooh, can I sing that word that I am holy? The word whole, integer, where we get the word integrity, one. Are you wholly surrendered to the Lord? Do you have integrity as a believer? If you have your, your notes, you can pull those out. There's pencils in front of you. There's, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you. If you don't have notes, we can get them to you. They're in the back. Feel free to quietly duck out and get them. Um, we talked just a little bit about what integrity means. And uh, man, that word whole, complete. We're going to be talking about that this evening. This idea, another word for it, um, we'll get there in a second. Um, is that true of you? Do you have integrity, Ben? Ben's a nice fella here. Stand up with me, Ben. Ben's, Ben's one of those guys, you, you come in, oops, sorry, Ben. He's got a smiling face, and you see him here on a, a Thursday, look at that smiling face, and you think, what a nice fella. But what if we were to follow Ben home tonight? Don't do that. And see how he drives. See what music he listens to. We were to go and we were to sneak around behind him in his house and watch what he watch what his life is like. Can we say if that was you, you can sit down, Ben. That you are wholly surrendered to Christ, that you have integrity in all of your life? Or do you change depending upon whom you're around? Everything is changing. The only th- you don't know of anything that doesn't change constantly. I am getting older as you are watching me. Watch this. Yep. I just got a little older. And so did you. We're changing shape. We're changing emotions. Did you know that my love for my wife has actually changed? Because when I was a dumb 21 whatever year old fella and I took my wife for a drive and I said, and I told her that I loved her, I thought that I knew what that meant. I didn't have a clue. Maybe I was going in the right direction, but it was nowhere near perfection. Still isn't. I love my wife much, much more than I did back then. I didn't even know what love meant, hardly. See, we're constantly changing. The only thing that doesn't change is that everything is changing. What about God? 
Does he change? Does God have integrity? You know, one of the things that, um, that the, the reason we're speaking about this tonight is uh, Tanner and I want to make sure that we are not giving an, uh, a wrong view of who God is. Because what we do is every Thursday now evening, we'll look at one characteristic of who God is. He is holy. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is eternal. And what we could be doing is we could be focusing on one thing about God that you forget that he has integrity. He is perfect, as Nate Taylor said, and it challenged me and, Nate, me and Tanner's hearts. God is perfect. He is complete. He is, another word, is immutable. The doctrine that God is immutable. He cannot change. Do you believe that? I think right off we would say, well, yeah, I, I believe that. But um, have you ever heard people say, and maybe you believe this too, you know, I like the way God is in the New Testament, but the God in the Old Testament I reject. I can't, I can't love and trust a God who would do some of those things that happened in the Old Testament. Do you think that? Have you ever heard anybody say that? I have. Oh, I love Jesus, but man, before Matthew and I, I can't. I can't accept that. What about um, there's this couple passages. One we're going to hit tonight, where God says that He repents. God repents of something. He, one time He even says, "I am sorry that I did this." If God is immutable, if He has integrity, oneness, then what is that? that he is sorry that he did something. Um, what would it mean if God did change? There's a doctrine called open theology, or pro I'm sorry, progressive theology, that believes that God is all the time, he is collecting all of the data from each of you right now, from the rest of the world, from all of the planets and things that are happening, and he is constantly adding to himself all of the experiences, and he is adapting, and he is working in each one's life, because Matt's going through this, so God does this. It's called progressive theology. However, it ignores the fact that God is, he doesn't change. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 13. What if God could change? What if God could improve? What if God could love you better in a year than he loves you right now? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Well, what that would imply is that God's love for you right now is imperfect. And that's not right. You're not loved with an imperfect love that's getting better. You're loved with a perfect love. What if God could get worse? What if he could change and get worse? What would that imply? Well, that would imply that he loves you right now, but maybe in a year because of something that you've done Maybe God could love you a little less. 
And as long as we're going down that track, maybe God would stop loving you altogether. You see, once you open up this idea that God can change, that's a pretty dangerous path to go down. One of the things that we want to teach you this evening is that God cannot change. He has integrity. He is one. R.C. Sproul put it, the simplicity of God. He's not this way over here and so complex that he's this way over here and we can't. I thought he's just one. One complete. Um, If you know me very well, you know that I I love the book of of Hebrews. Um, That's why I can't find it right now in my Bible. The book of Hebrews starts out let me just give you a quick overview. The book of Hebrews is, is most likely, it's by a, a writer who was a Jew. And he was writing to a group of people who were Jewish. And I believe that they were a mix of believers who trusted Christ as their Savior and a mix of people who did not trust Christ as their Savior. And um, in this letter, he starts out by proclaiming who Christ is. He is the image of the invisible God. And then he goes on to say he's better than angels. And then he goes on to say that you guys worship in temples. Jesus has a better temple. And then he goes on and he he shows that you guys, to um, to have redemption from your sins, you offered sacrifice. Jesus offers a better sacrifice. And, and, and you Jews, you needed to have a high priest to be an intercessor between you and the Father. Jesus is a better intercessor. And it just keeps compiling and unfolding in the book of Hebrews to show this, the awesomeness of who Christ is and what he did in the cross. And then it gets to the last chapter in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, and it teaches about marriage, the sanctity of marriage. It teaches, about, it teaches about submission and a couple other things. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, 8, it says this. If you're there, you can read along with me. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's our main verse tonight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then the next verse, we'll keep reading. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Why would the writer want his readers, and actually not his readers, it was a congregation also, to know that Jesus, who is God, he is the same He's the same yesterday, why yesterday, why today, and why forever? Um, The answer in a nutshell is that uh, the author of Hebrews is convincing his audience that Jesus, that God has not changed. Imagine um, from a Jewish mindset, all of your forefathers, the whole way back to Leviticus, Numbers, remember those books? Genesis. They were made right. They had redemption from their sins to God by a specific set of rules and regulations 
that they did for generation to generation to generation. If I committed a sin according to my income, I would offer a certain animal at the temple as a sacrifice. And that animal's blood on behalf of my sin was killed and my sin was covered before a holy God. And they did that year after year after year. And then the most amazing time in all of history happened. And that is right when Christ came and died. And all of those things were obsolete. They were null. But I thought God was the same. That's what they were thinking. How can we move on in faith to this Jesus Christ who you say is the Messiah when all we know is these years after years after years? And the author says, all of those things are a shadow and a copy of the good things which is to come in Christ Jesus. God has not changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Psalms 102 talks about heaven and earth will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. Malachi 3.6, just to continue showing you the character of God, God says, for I am the Lord. I do not change. My character does not change. Psalms 33.11 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. What God says does not change. Who he is doesn't change. What he says doesn't change. This is a good verse in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 17. It goes like this, for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all disputes. Okay, 17. So if men do that to end all disputes, how does God end a dispute? Here's how. 17. So thus God determining to show abundantly to the heirs of the promise, us and those who will put their faith in him, the immutability, sound familiar? Thus God, to show abundantly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that two immutable, unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. When God wants to confirm something to you, he swears it by two things that cannot change. You know what they are? His oath, which is his word, and his character. And they do not change. Scripture says they are immutable. And because of that, verse 19 says, we have a hope. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil. You see, God's character doesn't change. Jesus, who is God, doesn't change. He's the same. He's the same yesterday. Why is yesterday important? We just kind of have been going through that. Because all of these things that they were thinking about happened yesterday, and he was showing Jesus hasn't changed, okay? Let, let, me, let me give you a couple arguments. Go to 1 Samuel 15, because a big stumbling block is a place when God repents. So let's look at that. The context of this in um, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel is right before 2 Samuel, if you're looking for it. That's a joke. 
Okay, God has chosen a king. His name is Saul. Saul is the man. He is at least a head higher than every other man. He wrestles with the fear of man, yeah. But right away, he's getting the job done. But then because of the fear of man, he starts to falter. And in verse 15, chapter 15, Saul has taken things which were not supposed to be taken. One, he kept King Agag, which was supposed to be killed. Two, he kept animals, which were supposed to be annihilated too. God said, kill them all. And Saul said, I'll keep the best for you, God. This is what God says in 15.10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. What, What happened there? I thought God didn't change. In this passage, God regrets his own decision. So if you follow the story along, Saul is eventually taken off and David is brought up as king. So what happened here? Did God say, oh man, I picked, I sovereignly allowed for this Saul guy to be king, but that was a mistake. Not at all. You see, um, let's keep reading. Go to 1 first, uh, first Samuel 15, go over to 29. Samuel is continuing to talk here, and he's talking to Saul, and he's telling Saul that he is about to take the kingdom and rip it out of his, out of his hands. In verse 29, it says, And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor, re- nor relent. Listen to this. For he, that's God, for he is not a man that he should relent. It's the same word. He is, see, God, when God repents, he doesn't repent like you do. In Numbers 23, you could write this down and look at it later. It says that God is not a man that he would lie. You see, when God said that he is sorry for what happened He is sorry in a different way than you are sorry. Why are you sorry? Why why do men, why, why, why do we repent of things? Here's why. We repent because of lack of knowledge or we repent because of addition of knowledge. For instance, if I would have only known there was a cop sitting there, I would have not broke the law right? I'm repenting. I'm going this way. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that because now I know I'm busted. I would not have sat next to him if I would have only known he smelled so bad. Okay? You have an addition of knowledge and now you are sorry for sitting next to him. That's because you're a man. You're of the man race. You're a human And you know what we are? We're stuck in time. We don't know what the next thing is going to happen. We know what happened in the past. But as humans, we don't know what the future is. So when we repent, it's because we ignored 
we didn't know or now we know, and so now we are sorry. But that's not true of God. Okay? Because if that was God, he would be ignoring, one, he is omniscient, and second, he is eternal. And God cannot ignore his own character. If God ignored his own character, he would cease to be God. So when God repents of something, he, he already knew because he is, omnip- he is omnipresent, he knows omniscient, he knows all things, and he is eternal. He, he's not stuck in today. He already knew what was going to happen. He already knew that Saul was going to make this mistake. In fact, he already had this in the plans. I want to show you something in Genesis 49 to kind of give you some insight into what I'm talking about here. You see, um, I want to also, before you go there, I want you to notice this. If If these two passages that I showed you were in different books of the Bible, that would be, for critics, that would be a pretty big thing. Because on one part, one book, God repents. And then in another book, God doesn't repent. But this isn't different books. In fact, this is the same author, 1 Samuel. In fact, this is the same chapter. So the, the, the misunderstanding, if we think that God changed here, is on our part. We just need to find out what's going on, Okay. That's the first thing. It, kind of, it, it should give you confidence in God's word that the misunderstanding is on my part, not Scripture's part. The next thing is um, in Genesis 49. I want to show you. Genesis 49 is called the prophetic blessing. Pretty much what, what happened is Abraham is about to die. And he calls all his sons to himself and he blesses them. And he, he speaks prophetically about where their family lineage would lead. And if you ever want to do an amazing study, follow each of these prophetic blessings throughout Scripture and see how they come true. Check this one out. Okay, I want to, I want to hit Benjamin, tribe of Benjamin, which is near the end. It is 27. It's the last one. He says... Abraham says of his son, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. Okay, King Saul was a Benjamite. That's important. And if we were to dig into this passage, we might be able to have some insight from this passage about King Saul, but we're not going to do that. Let's go, let me turn my page over, and I want to look at another Go to chapter 49, verse 9. Judah. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion he shall rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. That's huge. The lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh, the coming one, comes. 
Okay, what does that mean? What Abraham said prophetically about his son, Judah, is that, excuse me, the kingdom, the kingship will not leave Judah until the Messiah comes. Do you know who was from the tribe of Judah? David. You know who wasn't from the tribe of Judah? Saul. Okay, here's my point. It was never the point for Saul to remain king. Now, the Jews thought so. They were like, yes, we got a king just like everybody else. And God says, he's king for now, but in my sovereign mind, he's not going to be king for long. Because if you read back to Genesis 49, back in time, I've got Judah. And Judah, somebody from the tribe of Judah is going to come and they're going to be king. It's David. Okay, here's the big idea. How does God repent? God chooses a direction. And when he changes direction, that was always the direction he intended to take all along. And now he has fully revealed it to us. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. This is how God repents. When God chooses a direction like he chose Saul, and then he changes direction, he got rid of Saul. That was always the direction. It's just that in 1 Samuel 15, we've, God revealed that fully to us. But that was never the plan. You see, God didn't change. He does not change. He is immutable. Let's go back to the book of Hebrews. Back to Hebrews chapter 18, 13. Okay. I hope that makes sense to you because that's huge. It's, it's God giving evidence that in his sovereignty, this was always the plan. He didn't change. Um, to Jews, to these people, what did God's salvation look like? It looked like temples and priests and sacrifices and ceremonies. And that was what salvation looked like to them. That's what redemption looked like. So didn't God change his mind when he brought Jesus along? Didn't he change things? No. This was always the plan. Jesus was always the plan. The author says, all of those things you know, guys, they are shadows. They're not the reality. They're a smell. They're not the food. They're the good. They are evidences of the good things that I am going to do. And, I have not, and, and now, through Jesus, I've fully revealed them to you. Colossians 1.19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all of the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of, cro cro of his cross. Jesus was always the plan. Nothing changed. God has full integrity. He remains one. Jesus is the same. He's the same yesterday. And he's also the same today and forever. Why does the author of Hebrews remind us, teach us that Jesus is still the same today? 
you know, what is the best attack for those who want to contort, change, lie about who God is? Where does the attack fall? Let's read the next verse, chapter, verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 13. It says this, Hebrews 13, 9, right after Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, it says, do not be carried about. The idea is to be blown about like a leaf. Do not be carried about with various and strange cults, no, doctrines. You see, the best attack is when God's word is attacked. When doctrine is attacked, when it's not, when we believe that God's word has changed, that's the best attack. Paul said to the church in Acts 20, 29, wolves will come in among you, the flock. They're not on the outside. They come in, and and here's the tricky thing. They don't look like wolves. You know what they look like? They look like you. They look like sheep. And you say things like, but he is so nice. Really? He even knows Bible verses. I mean, he, he gives money. Paul says they're wolves. If they do not teach the unchanged, unchanged word of God, You need to reject it because that's the best attack on the church and it will draw you away like a wolf. Let's keep reading. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. The the Jews had so many regulations about what they could eat, what they couldn't eat, how to cook it, how not to cook it. Paul said, the, the author here says, it's good that your heart be established by grace. What's being blown about here? What's being carried about? It's the heart. It is good that the heart be established as opposed to being blown about. You see, when God's word is abandoned, when God's word is is added, the first thing that happens is you start to lay lay in bed at night and you're like, I wonder if that's true about God. I was there one time. I was in this meeting with a bunch of guys and we were talking about, I was like the young teenager, and we, we were gonna have a spiritual talk about faith. And one guy said, you know, I understand God like an elephant in a dark room. And these different men came in and they felt the elephant and one said, God is like a, he's like a, a swishing branch and I just can't hold on to him. He had the tail. And another guy said, no, God was more like a, a wet hose. He had a hold of the nose. Another guy said, God is, or the elephant is like a, it's like a tree trunk. It's just solid and strong. The other one said, no, the elephant's like a, this huge barrel. It's massive. He said, you know, I, that's, that's, that's what God's like. And I remember laying in bed that night being like, I never thought about that. And you can, you can see my heart start to get carried away. 
And the author says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Let your heart be established by grace. Don't be carried away. You see, in order for your heart, and guys, one of the biggest lies is to follow your heart. Okay? Don't follow your heart. Here's what, this, here's what Scripture says. Okay, Proverbs, towards the end, I think 26, says the fool follows his heart. Because your heart is like my little boys at Walmart. Daddy, can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? No, son. That's exactly how your heart acts. Your heart should follow your head. And Romans 12 says you need a renewed mind. What renews your mind? The gospel makes you a new creation and you think differently. And you teach this heart. You can't believe that. That's a lie. Establish your heart. Um, Jesus Christ is the same. Nothing has changed from then till now. God's character is the same. Salvation is the same. I'd like you to turn your sheet over. This is an exercise I did by myself. Um, I'd, I'd encourage you to do it too. What I did is uh, the very beginning of our study, we were studying the gospel, and uh, I, I was thinking, you know, the gospel, it doesn't major on any one attribute of God. It is the overflowing of God's full character. Nothing is left out. I'd like you to take a, pen, uh, a pencil, and as I read, I'm just going to read through the gospel. I want you to circle things. I want you to circle where you see God's character pop up. Here's what I was thinking. God is holy then, in my mind, the Old Testament. Guys, he's holy now. God hated sin then in the Old Testament. He still hates sin now. How do I know? He killed his son on account of your sin and my sin. We look at God in the Old Testament and we say, man, he's so harsh on sin. That ain't nothing. He killed his son. That's even more intense. He still hates sin. God patiently extended his grace, then on the account of the coming cross, that's the whole sacrificial system, it was all God's patience because he knew the cross was coming, and now we marvel at the wisdom of God's grace for us displayed at the cross we read about in Scripture. Salvation from eternity past has been sovereignly planned by the all-wise, all-knowing Trinitarian God who purposed to reveal His glory by an incomprehensible plan of redemption through His Son's death in which His full, almighty wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ, displaying His intense, holy hatred of sin. God demonstrates the self-existence of His character by raising he didn't stay dead. He raised Christ from the dead and placed him at his own right hand where Christ rules omnipotent. This is amazing grace and mercy to guilty men to be reborn into the image of God. And guys, do you remember in the Old Testament when God justly called for the death of men who rejected him? So does Jesus. Right now he offers you grace. And mercy. 
Jesus says in Luke 19, 27, bring those people who reject me and kill them before me. Nothing's changed. Right now we are offered great grace to those who believe in Christ and to turn from their sins. Nothing's changed. That's the whole message of Hebrews. Faith in God. God's moving, you follow. What's that look like? He sent his son. What should we do? You follow. Nothing's changed. A um, couple closing thoughts. Do you ever doubt your salvation? I've been there. This is good for you to meditate on because when you're doubting your salvation, your heart is being carried about like a leaf. Your heart should be established in an immutable, unchanging God. Are you confused by other faiths? Hey guys, when, when people come up to you and they say, well, actually you need this book to understand the Bible, reject it. You know why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. You know what the Holy Spirit does? It leads you into all truth. You don't need the book of X, whatever it is. You don't need this extra apocrypha. You have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. Anything else, anything added, you know what it rejects? The immutability of God. And it says that God does not have integrity. You see, this is, Jonathan Edwards said, people who reject Christ hate this doctrine because everything else they can weasel and change and connive, but God does not change. He does not, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are there things in scripture that you dislike, you ignore, you can't accept? You need to meditate on this. And then lastly, Imago Dei, we are created, we are made to give glory to a God with integrity. He doesn't change. I'm going to ask you, um, this, and, and this would, the immediate way that I want to reflect this God is to fall at his feet and worship him and thank him for the, uh, the assurance of my salvation but I also have to ask myself this. If I call myself a Christian and Christ has integrity and no matter who he was around, he was one man. Is that how you are? Is that how I am? Do you have integrity? Are you, do you laugh at the same jokes that you do here and then you're in the locker room? There's a whole different other set of jokes. Depending upon who you hang out with, do you, who do you talk about? Do you have integrity? Like, oh, I like you. What a jerk. Depending upon who you're around. Do you have integrity? What about what you watch? Oh, if I was to look up the, the memories on your phone and your computer, do you have integrity? Are you the same person in public as you are in private? The more you submit your life to Jesus Christ the more you will have gospel integrity. You'll be the same man, strong, unmovable. No matter where you are, no matter who you're in front of. Why? Because your heart is established in grace. Does that make sense? 
the last thing I wrote in your sheet, and we're going to give you time to do this here in a second as the as the, the music team comes up, I'd like you to think about your life honestly. I'd like you to write on your piece of paper, where is one area in my life that I need to grow in integrity? Where's one area in my life that I need to submit my heart to the gospel so that when I'm in church, in front of this crew, I'm the same man or woman in front of that crew? That's my challenge to you this evening is to observe who God is and reflect Him no matter where you are, to have integrity, all right? Why don't you go ahead and um, take a couple minutes to think about that, and uh, Andy, Andy Benson, I'm going to ask you and um, your team to, to start getting into place, and then to call everybody to order when you're ready. Thank you for listening to this message from Cross Life. Feel free to share this recording with others, but please do not charge for it or alter the contents in any way. For more recordings or other information about Grace Bible Church, visit gbcmt.org.